Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here and welcome to the latest podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Emma Sapika, who is the Education Coordinator for Artifon. Artifon is a music tech company that creates virtual instruments to enable everyone to be creative. Its latest instrument is the Orba, which is a round handheld instrument that people are able to instantly make music with. And another recent innovation is a musical lens for Snapchat called ScanBand, which lets you point your phone at an everyday object and get coloured stickers, which you can then play. So why I thought you'd be interested in Artifon is that the company wants to break down barriers to making music, bringing music into the hands of more people of all skill levels. Their founder, Mike, recently featured on a series of seminars called Over the Digital Horizon, hosted by the music education hub over here in England called Wiltshire Music Connect. So hi, Emma, and welcome to the podcast. What you're doing sounds really important in terms of access and really interesting because it's so disruptive. So I'm looking forward to hearing more. Hi, Anita. Thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely excited to discuss all the sorts of things we're doing at at Artifon, specifically uh, tied into music education and and inclusion there. So to start off with, can you tell me where you are in the world today and how did you end up professionally where you are today? Sure. Uh, I am in Nashville, Tennessee, and that is uh, also where Artifon's headquarters are. We are a pretty globally distributed team. I just happen to live in the same city where our our global headquarters exist. And so I, uh, my background is as, as a music educator. Um, I've always been deeply involved in the arts and arts education. I was a public school music teacher for years, uh, band director specifically. And then I moved into the nonprofit world as a program leader and and director uh, in a nonprofit music school here in Nashville, and then went on to found my own arts-based nonprofit. I am also an improviser and a theater artist. And so that nonprofit has to do with theater and improv. And so then in uh, late 2020, I started working with Artifon as a customer support specialist. I actually have been just like a big fan of the company for a long time, was specifically sparked at the beginning by Instrument One for um, yeah. its possibilities with in music education and music therapy settings in sort of the adaptive instrument world. I thought that it could really open up just a wide variety of possibilities for students who needed, um, you know, different access to instruments. And so that was like, oh, this looks so cool. So I just followed the company for a long time. Then I had the opportunity to work with them briefly. When Orba was launched, there was a big influx of customer support needs. And so I I hopped on the team for a little bit. And then I came back as education coordinator uh, this fall, in fall 2021. Brilliant. What a great role for you. It sounds as though it's absolutely perfect. It feels perfect. I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. I've, I had been chatting with them about this for a long time. And so 
ingesting the mission and the approach to music creation that the company has, the, the company's values that I just became more and more just into the idea of, of really helping lead this education initiative. So I'm very excited to be here. So can you tell me more about your kind of beliefs around me about music education and music and then Artifon's mission and its history and, and their beliefs? Sure. So my focus is all about, it, it, it holds play above anything else in learning. Uh, I'm also, you know, as I said, I'm an improviser and improv yeah. is also all about play and accepting what's there and playing with what you have and following the fun and being joyful. And I think that those just lead to really great educational and wellness outcomes if you if you hold play and fun at a really really high level and so all of my curriculum development all of my program development it really values play as as a big part of the approach there and then with that I hold you know access to be one of the greatest things that we should focus on in all of our program I'm, I'm just not interested in gatekeeping in the arts mm. I think that there are you know a lot of gates and a lot of gatekeepers, whether they mean to be or not. And so I'm just, I'm not interested in that. And I'm, I am highly interested in removing those barriers as much as possible with resources or approaches or uh, just outreach space, you know, all of those things. I just, that really drives my own personal motivation in education. And then goes really well hand in hand with Artifon's mission, which is that you know, anybody can be musical, that everybody is creative and they want to create products and support that is all about just right away. Here you go. Be, create, you know, create with sound now, create with video. Let's let's be together, connected through this creativity and, and use technology to um, just move that needle a bit in terms of letting people create and be creative. So how did it all come about? Did it come from your founder's sort of frustration with not being able to find instruments that were uh, you know, really, really accessible? Did he have an mm -hmm. experience himself, personal experience of, of that? Yeah. So um, Dr. Mike Butera has a PhD in sound studies. And so he thought a lot about how people make music and how sound affects people. And uh, yeah, he a lot of these instruments are super expensive and really technically behind a, a large learning curve. And so the mission is just to bring music into the hands of as, as many people of all skill levels, no matter where they are. And so the instrument one was created in 2015 to try to make this as accessible as possible in that sense. Here you go. I think you should have sound at your fingertips. You should be able to touch sound and be able to make this right away. And then uh, Orba was launched uh, just in the last few years to push that even further and, and open it up even more with a, an even more affordable price point, size, and uh, interface. So that's, it just drives all of the work that Artifon does based on that initial move by our founder, Dr. Mike Butera. So we've talked about the instruments, about instrument one and about Orba. Is, is it possible to demonstrate them over over the podcast or to, to describe them to me mm -hmm. so I can I, I think that demonstrating might be kind of tough because of my own yeah. home sound <laughs> setup truly only because of that but I can I can do a great job or I can I can attempt a great job of describing it specifically Orba um, briefly instrument one is a magnificent tool and instrument 
it was the, it was the first instrument. It can be played as like touching and drum pads or keyboard. Uh, it can be strummed like a guitar. It is an excellent MIDI controller. So it's going to be hooked okay. into, you know, some kind of DAW, some kind of way for you to connect with something that makes music like GarageBand was my favorite uh-huh. one that I used personally and in a classroom. Um, oh. Orba goes a little further in that it is, it can fit in the palm of your hand. It's round. It is almost exactly a half sphere. I like to use it with a silicone sleeve because I like the tactile nature of how grippy that is for me. And you can play it with your fingertips. There are eight pads that are wedge shaped on the top of this, um, surrounded by a center A button, A for the Artifon logo. And these pads, they represent pitches. The default setting is typically in a pentatonic mode, but you can switch that um, using the companion app that's connected by Bluetooth to create sounds inside the instrument itself. So the instrument has an onboard synth, so it can make sounds all on its own. Instrument one didn't do that, but Orba does. So I can pick this up, I can connect it to nothing, just turn it on and it makes sound when I'm pressing the top buttons. It's also a looper. So on board, there is a recorder um, that you can just loop and layer four modes, drum mode, bass mode, chord mode, or lead mode. So there are these four layers to creating this beat looping pattern. And uh, you can do that all just on board the instrument itself. Let's see, what else can you do? You can adjust tempo, you can adjust the octave, uh, you can play and pause, you can erase loops. Um, That's all without hooking it up to anything. But additionally, it's also a MIDI controller and you can still hook Orba into, you know, your preferred DAW to create music just using it as a MIDI controller, which what I love about Orba is that It starts from a very simple approach. Here you go. Just make music without anything else, standalone with these four modes. Or you can hook it into the companion app, the Orba app, uh, in which you can change the key. You can change the sounds that are preset within each of these modes. You can adjust tempo. You can do all of those things. And then even more hook it into GarageBand and use it as a MIDI controller. And then it's really, really possibilities are endless there. So that's the thing I love about it more than anything is it's super approachable. Here it is. Seems pretty simple, straightforward. Let's just create some loops using these really cool onboard sounds. And then if you want to go further, you can. That's amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't sound intimidating. It doesn't look intimidating, does it? And I think that's the really brilliant thing that it's, it seems very simple, but it is, is actually quite complex if you want it to be. I just wanted to, have you used this in a teaching context? And are there any teaching guidelines for music teachers who, who mm-hmm. want to use it in the classroom? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have used this um, virtually uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's how I have personally used it, interacting with students. We are also building up a, a series of videos where I teach like imaginary students, or I basically um, model a lesson. And in those videos, what I typically do is I begin without an Orba because we're generally, we just want 
to offer these types of lessons, uh, whether you have an Orba yet or not. And so um, most of them start with like body percussion or describing the sort of elements of music without the Orba. And then we bring Orba on and show how I use it in a lesson or I use it in a classroom. Those videos haven't been published yet, but they possibly might be by the time this podcast comes out. So mm. stay tuned for those. Um, we're also developing curriculum to support uh, Orba's use in a classroom um, that are standards, tied to standards that really focus on music education and creation using the instrument. And then we're also building community of people who are using this in a classroom. We've got educators, uh, at least in North America, but moving more globally by the minute using this in their classrooms and, and we're communicating with them. You know, getting that feedback is so important so that we can continue to support teachers in the field using using Orba. Oh, so interesting. And before I forget, because I know I will forget, um, <laughs> just a practical question. How how, how much is it? Because it isn't very mm. much money, is it? Mm-hmm. And are there discounts for educators and where would people buy them? Yes. So Orba retails for $99 US, but, uh, and those are, we sell directly to US and Canada, but where to buy internationally is listed directly on our on our um, sales page but gear for music is our uk distributor and oh, we've got okay. tons of resellers around the world but there are education discounts uh, mm-hmm. and that information is also listed on our website brilliant okay guys i've done that because i know people will be interested in that have you had much of an uptake from educators or yeah and, and can you tell me a little bit about about how they are using them mm-hmm. yes we have had several educators and also therapists or wellness practitioners. Um, we refer to them. I, I had oh, one, okay. one person reach out about um, using Orba in sound healing and sound baths, one who was an OT, an occupational therapist, but many, many educators reaching out. We have a partnership with Anaheim Public Schools. They received Orba right before the pandemic hit. They developed this entire curriculum around social emotional learning, which was incredible and so cool because I think that really speaks to the way that Orba facilitates innovation, both in terms of students and learners having it, but also teachers. You know, we're developing curriculum. We have these video lessons. We're trying to put things out there so that teachers can use them if they want. But also the whole concept is here's a tool for you to create right away and feel really comfortable and safe and successful creating, innovating. And I think that we've seen that from our teachers so far as well. So they created this whole curriculum and they really liked the instrument during, um, it was the elementary school district in Anaheim. So these are younger students. They, uh, they do instrumental units and they couldn't use any wind instruments, understandably, you know? And Mm. so they liked that Orba is easy to clean. Uh, it's easy to Mm. keep keep sanitary and um, let students explore it uh, in a really safe way. And so that's, that's one way we've seen this. I just received an email that I really loved from a teacher who, who has 18 Orbas for his classroom. And he just said, um, this is so awesome. Just want to say this Orba orchestra. <laughs> and oh. I, I was like, oh, please tell me more. I'm so excited to learn more about uh, how they're using it in an individual way, in a collaborative way. We received some feedback from a, a nonprofit partner who uh, works in music production. So they teach students, you know, they're in studios and teaching how to produce music. And they said that it was tough to get kids to feel 
safe uh, sharing what they did when they were working with like a keyboard or other instruments. But when they got Orba, it was like, oh, I get it. Just leave me alone. And I I got this, which I think is the best. (laughs) You know, if you hand uh, an instrument to a student and they say, okay, cool, leave me alone so I can explore this for a while. I mean, that's that's, amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah, that's the coolest thing. And so um, she said that that's what happened with their students. So we're getting we're getting excellent feedback from uh, educators in the field who are using this now and, and communicating to get even more in the future. So really exciting stuff. Oh, fantastic. And what about um, young people and how, how they're using it? Are there, it might be difficult for you to answer, but do you, have you heard from individual young people about who, who, you know, aren't doing this in lessons or in any other context, they're just buying it like an instrument and playing around with it? Yeah, so um, generally speaking, um, and also sort of individually and anecdotally, I've heard some stories of, of students and, and younger players who honestly, I don't even know if I would call them musicians prior to picking up an Orba. Um, one of them was like interested in drums, but, you know, hadn't really taken lessons. And she got an Orba and um, she is super creative, but was kind of struggling with attention in school. And uh, understandably, online learning isn't always the most engaging space. And so she has an Orba and was just using it as kind of a creative fidgeter in between moments of school or um, spaces where she needed to focus a lot. Mm. I think that it's not a fidget spinner by any means, but it is something to fidget with. Like we want you to just feel like picking it up and playing it in micro moments, just fit that creative expression and just playing in as many tiny little moments, the nooks and crannies of your day as much as possible. And that's what I've heard from young people is that they can either just pick it up and play with it for a little bit and put it back down. Or there's a headphone jack, thankfully for parents. I am also a parent and <laughs> I'm, my uh, almost four-year-old plays with Orba and I hook him right into headphones. So uh, he just explores, you know, for a long, long time. And it's so the, the sort of like ephemeral nature of just picking it up and going for it, looping for a little bit, letting that loop go, adding on, taking back. Um, it can just exist in that moment. And so being present in that creative expression, I think is just really valuable to, to young people. I think particularly right now when detaching from the present moment is understandably a move that a lot of them are making. You know, we've just experienced a pretty tough few years. And so I think globally it's uh, feeling the weight of that and being able to have an outlet that is creative. I think that's a, such a great opportunity for them. Yeah. And that, that's just such a completely different feel and experience and kind of a, a intention an instrument isn't it and that goes back to that thing you were saying about play and about not being so intentional with it and not being so Mm. worried and stressed about it because often practice can be joyful but it can also be a little bit oh you know I've got to do this I've got to set aside this time and I've got to do this many minutes and I've got to get to this outcome with it but to be able to just pick it up like you would a phone with a game Mm -hmm. or whatever is is fantastic Mm -hmm. so you were talking about a person using it for her sort of attention difficulties can you tell me more about the inclusivity of these instruments? Mm. So I think that the immediate response about inclusivity of Orba specifically, or just Artifon instruments in general, is that it's what I've spoken to already, which is that they are inviting of adaptation in the sense that there is no right way to play this. There's no 
performance practice technique. We're not interested in in technical prowess in any way. Are there people on like our Instagram page who are showing off a little bit? Totally. That is there. And that's cool too. And keep going, but that's not, it's never like, that's not the right way to do it. You know, there's no, there's no right. There's no wrong. It just is. It's just go for it. Um, And so I think that that's setting it up to be a really inclusive instrument. Again, that there's no gatekeeping of technical ability or uh, physical ability or neuro uh, neuro ability, any of that. It's a, a pretty tactily responsive instrument. There's haptic response. You know, it's it's relatively great to hold. You know, it feels good. It's it's not too heavy. It's got a pretty good drop radius. We we like to not really treat it as a too precious. You know, there's a lot of great technical things going on inside this little thing, but it can be dropped. It can be used. You know, we want people to use it and play it. The nature of how it is circular, I'm going to get into, it sounds really simple, but I think the simplicity of it makes it so that it can be really adaptive. It's a circle. There is a tactile. You can feel the difference in those pads. I was speaking to somebody recently about who uh, works with children who are blind about, you know, what kind of additions we could make to the top to be like kind of homing bars or ways to um, make it more accessible for those who are visually impaired. But even just like the pads themselves, they're about the size, you know, they're, they're meant for fingers, so single fingers. But when I've used this before, what's cool about it is that even if you tap or hit the entire circle, so maybe like, you know, many pads at the same time, it's set up so that it still sounds good. If you're in chord mode, all those chords sound great together. They're pitched so that, and voiced so that it sounds great right away when you're, when you're playing it. Um, so there's that, but then there are also these uh, more gross motor gestures built into the instrument. You can tap the side, you can tilt the instrument. There's a shake function. Um, so not only is it this like touch pad top, but you can move the entire orba itself, which allows for maybe physical adaptations in the sense of like what is possibly in motor skills. So I think I could keep going. I'm trying to really think about other ways that it's inclusive. I like that it's, it can be used with or without a screen. You know, if we've got Mm. any, again, like visual impairment or just tired of using a screen stimulated by using a screen and you don't want to use a screen for a while, there is Uh, just a ton of possibilities if you hook it into some kind of iOS device with the app, or if you're going onto a computer, but you can also just throw it in a backpack, take it somewhere. We have people who are using it in prison settings. Um, Things that are brought into prisons can't typically have Wi-Fi access. And so that's cool. They get, they don't have to hook it into anything. They can use it without. So I just think that the possibilities are pretty wide open for being a really approachable at the set, at the onset instrument. There's a really steep incline to what's possible with the instrument that I just think is really, really cool. Have you got, have you, you know, you talked about a community. Have you got examples of people loading videos of them playing the instrument? If you check out our Instagram page, I mean, there's just tons of videos, Instagram, TikTok, all of those, Snapchat. Oh. We've got people playing Orba all over the place oh. uh, and, and sharing that with us. And uh, I mean, that's the best part of all of this is seeing what people do that make me go, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I just, I love seeing that. And I feel like those are just pouring in daily. Yeah. Well, I wonder when we're going to see 
all but in the in the charts or, or used by a famous rock band or a famous classical artist or mm, something. Mm. It'd be really interesting. Have you actually had any interesting customers? Any uh, kids and teachers are the coolest, most famous people yeah. who use our yeah, instrument. Yeah, no, okay. um, but you know, there are. I would say there are tons of very prolific, impressive, just way beyond what I understand even in music making to be because I I am a traditionally trained musician and and I'm pretty just enamored with what's going on in um, music tech right now and how Mm. people are making music together and and alone and you know especially uh, when everything shut down and they were uh, siloed in their own homes just what happened there and I think Orba and Instrument One were a part of a lot of people's at-home music-making journeys during that time, which I thought was super cool. The most famous person that I recall is T Pain. <laughs> he used Instrument One. That was pretty cool. But tons of like lo-fi beat makers and you know influencers in the beat making world. So cool using using Orba, and it's it's really fun to scroll through that and see what's oh, going on. So it's not going to be long before we do see it used and go to a gig or something and see it used or go to a concert and see it used and truly truly and yeah orbit is so small that I have a feeling we'll miss it the first oh yes of course uh uh-huh it's such a it's such just a little guy on stage and I have a feeling they'll set their loop and they'll put it down and maybe interact with it plus people who use um electronic instruments it's so nimble all of the time you don't even notice what happens it just almost looks like magic seamlessly working together so Yeah. yeah Another aspect of your work is that you've been working with Snapchat, which sounds really mm-hmm. interesting and, and, of course, a great way to access young people. So ha- tell me a little bit about that work and, and how it came about. Mm-hmm. At Artifon, we want to inspire everyone to be just as creative as possible. As I said, like all those nooks and crannies of their day, just all the time. And um, AR, you know, augmented reality music is a super powerful idea. And it really enables everyone to just add sound to everything that they do, every all, all the bits of their life. So with, with ScanBand, that was about turning objects around us into like, you know, delightful, charming little musical instruments that you could play wherever. Uh, and ScanBand specifically, so powerful, so cool. Uh, but it's just the beginning of, mm. of just a whole bouquet of interactive musical experiences that's part of the, the Artifon ecosystem. You know, we've got OrbaCam as well, which is a visual element uh, you know you can create sound as you record video that's a really cool app and there is even more coming through as we speak oh that's really interesting I was curious about whether you had anything in the pipeline that you'd be able to give us a sneak preview of or, or sort of talk to us about is there anything you're particularly excited about that's that's a great question I would say generally we love hearing feedback from the community and putting that back into the product plans. So mm. that happens all the time. Like as somebody who was in the customer support department, you know, we were taking feedback and saying, Hey, this seems like a really cool th- thought moving forward. How can we make this happen? So it's a real, it's a really interactive sort of experience, the way that products are developed and things are developed. So specifically, I want to really mention that for education partners, like let's get that feedback here because I'm, I'm your, your champion in that space. So if something comes up and you're like, what if we did this? You know, this is a company that just uh, applauds that type of conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about possibilities for, for us, like down the pipeline, just more more exciting things that's going to continue serving that mission of of allowing people to be creative uh, just immediately and all day as much as possible. 
that's certainly exciting for music educators, isn't it? Because they're not really used to having instrument um, producers saying, come back to us with your great ideas about how we can look again at this instrument and do it differently. So, yeah, mm-hmm. very exciting. I'm always interested in different perspectives on, on communications and advocacy because that's my background. What have, what have you learned that works for advocating this type of more inclusive, boundary-breaking, tech-driven, creative approach to music making? Mm-hmm. Are you finding people a little bit fearful of it? And how do you overcome that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I was fearful of it. So, uh, and and I'm a trained musician. And so I think music tech, it is... <sighs> I think that music tech has this optic of being really male dominated too. And like that we have a sense of who that might serve. And so I think that the the quickest way to advocate for inclusivity in that space is to put voices and images and what people are making. I mean, even their their songs, like their music out in the forefront. So Mm. I think that's like the lowest hanging fruit is just here, here, this is what we look like. This is what people sound like. This is, I guess, representation at the bottom line is represent as many people as possible of skill levels, abilities, um, gender, just all of it across the board. But I think that the approach to communicating and, and advocating is that two-way street that we've sort of already been talking about, which is truly valuing that feedback and listening. I mean, I've I have witnessed the founder of the company and the the co-founder of the company truly listening to, even within within Artifon, listening to one of the more junior staff members speaking about something and truly hearing what they were saying. And that radiates, that sort of value radiates outside of the company into product development and just the way that the company works. We're set up to be able to be communicating and advocating for a really inclusive and creative approach to music making within music tech with our instruments, but just with the culture and the, the, the company broadly. Personally, it sounds simple to say, listen to those who you are uh, advocating for or representing, but it's just the truth. You know, I think even in education, if you're just speaking about younger people, like let's say you're just talking about public school, young voices um, are undervalued those feelings, those viewpoints, those perspectives, they're the most valuable and they're valid. And I think also my last point, thinking about advocacy on a broader level is I'm going to, I'm going to lean on my improv uh, experience a little bit, which is you should have perspective and you should keep values, but don't go in knowing the outcome because you'll get lost. If you go in knowing what you value, what's important and who you're, who you're going to bat for uh, or why, then that's what really will work. That was what will really carry you through the process. If you go in thinking, I have to go convince this person for this outcome specifically, it won't land as, as deeply as and impactfully as it, as it maybe could have. And you may be disappointed at the end and you may miss an even better outcome because you weren't present and responsive while holding your values uh, and your perspectives mm. at the forefront. That's so that's always what I, that's always the advice that I give to somebody who is in an advocacy role. Yeah. Don't set out with the outcome already decided, let your perspective and your values lead the way in a collaborative way. 
Yeah. And same, you know, whether you're working in advocacy or whether you're teaching in music, um, <laughs> same principles, isn't it, really? That's right. Um, this has been so interesting, Emily. And just before we wrap up, I just wondered if uh, you've already shared some tips, really, but I wonder if you could share either three practical pieces of advice for people looking to incorporate this type of music making into their education work or well-being work or maybe three calls to action for others working in music for well-being educational social justice things you'd like to see happen in the next few years so that's kind of two options really yeah that's great I might combine these a little bit yeah and I also wanted to think about these more leading up to it but then I started to get really in my head about it and decided to just again (laughs) see where see where it took me um, I'm a really process driven person. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So things that I think are important or pieces of advice or even, even calls to action. Um, one is just do it. You know, I think that perfectionism keeps us from making moves and then we wake up and it's, it's the, the moment has passed or we can't do that any longer or whatever it is. And if, if there's action to be taken, just try it and uh, allow, allow mistakes that may be made along the way to be gifts or opportunities for, for growth. Because you, this, I think, would be my second thing of pieces of advice or people in, in education, which is allow yourself to be fallible and allow yourself to be open to sharing the process of learning. Because if you don't model the kind of approach to learning and playing and trying and risk-taking, if you don't model that, how can you possibly ask your students to do that with you? Or, or for you or in front of you, um, you know, cr- approaching it from a really process-driven perspective and a sort of a decentralized power perspective, I think is just mm. has been how I approach teaching and learning for that matter. Uh, and I think the last thing, let's see, education and social justice, I think it has to go back to what I was thinking about before with advocacy, which is um, these are all conversations. These are all processes. This is not capital T truth all the time. And I think you need to be willing to be curious because allowing yourself to be curious in the space of working in music for well-being, those of us who are in applied arts or therapeutic arts or any of these spaces, we, we really care. We care very, very deeply about what we do, but it means that sometimes it walls us off from trying things. There's way more to be gained for trying something that may not work right away. And and of course, I'm not, I'm not talking about putting anybody in danger or harm, Mm -hmm. but uh, um, something that is fun has value. If it is fun and it brings joy, joy is an outcome. Uh, And I think fun and play can open doors that you, you never thought possible and, and embrace that. I think I started thinking one thought and I ended somewhere else, but that's how my brain works as an improviser. So uh, those are really fantastic. Such a lot of food for thought there. And really, really interesting insights from you on not only technology, but inclusion and simply being a great practitioner. So that was a brilliant way to, to wrap up our conversation. So thank you so much, Emily, for making the time to talk with me. And the very best of luck with getting your instruments into the hands of people all across the world. Thank you, Annie. That's been a joy to talk to you today. And if you want to read more about Artifon, I'll share more information in the show notes that accompany this podcast on my website at www.writing-services.co.uk and look for the podcast section. Thanks very much for listening. 
That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.